Avengers! Hello everyone and welcome back to Excelsior, the world's number one Marvel's Avengers podcast. I'm your director, Christian Buckley, here for your May 1st, 2021 episode. Joined, as always, by the Apex legend, Jack Martin. How are you doing? Excelsior, I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? Doing good. Not a ton of Marvel Avengers stuff to go over this week. Of course, some tidbits and some potential future news. Uh, I've been in a Marvel mood lately, but Star Wars is coming up. And I am continuing my MCU timeline rewatch, though. Ooh. And I did Thor The Dark World last night. <laughs> That's a that's a fun one. Yeah, and it's it's weird because Iron Man 3 came out first, but Timeline Order Thor the Dark World is first for some reason. Ooh, really? Yeah, maybe it's because they introduced Infinity Stones. I don't yeah, know. that makes no sense. Yeah, right? Because Iron Man 3 is the first Phase 2 movie. Yeah, and it came out earlier that year. Thor Dark World was later. Yeah, that's... That seems unnecessary. I like, I, I could see, ma- like, it's pretty standalone. It's setting up the Infinity Stone arc, like I said, with the, the Aether and all that, but um, not terrible. I did actually rank it above Iron Man 2, so. It's it's not a terrible movie, and a lot of people put it at the very bottom, but I think there's a very clear last place, and it's the Incredible Hulk. Like, it's it's not even in question in my mind. I'm with you. And like I said, I, I know you love, well, you don't love, but you like Iron Man 2, right? Yeah. Yeah, like I, maybe it's my Thor bias. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. But maybe my Thor bias with the cast and all that, Darcy, love me some Darcy. I I did end up ranking it above Iron Man 2 on this watch along. And I don't think Iron Man 2 is terrible. It's fine, but this is better. Interesting. Yeah, Um, we were mentioning off air about doing a, potential re-ranking and potential um combined ranking of the mcu between you and me at some point uh so that'd be a very interesting conversation to see what our original 2018 or 2019 lists were and to see how we've sort of uh change changed since then so that's interesting yeah so potentially look forward to that in the future because uh, there's a lot of interesting rankings we could do, you know, maybe come time for Loki or something like that. Maybe Black Widow will have our stuff prepared. But um, well, yeah, what about you? Any Marvel stuff lately? Not really. I had finished my 2021 MCU rewatch and I was planning on jumping into WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier to do a rewatch of those two. But I was like, you know what? I've seen each episode multiple times. Um, maybe this summer I'll do... A run through of all the disney plus series but i i didn't feel the need to do it so i placed them in my ranking as i had as they were sort of beforehand so um yeah other than that it's been a little bit of a dry spell for for marvel for me at least yeah and we will see that be the case moving forward because like i said it's star wars time but why don't we dive into everything we normally do with fury's report this week the high power level and low power level are as follows. High power is Private Eye. That is a Kate Bishop mission. The low power level for guaranteed gear is your global presence, which whatever the hell that is. Harm Room Challenge will give you Thor. God of Thunder, number three from 2012. And the Marketplace is continuing and wrapping up the Tron Rave skins, as you put it last week. Um, we got Thor, Widow, Hawkeye, and <laughs> Hulk this week. And... I know you're not a huge fan of them, these skins, but, like, are you glad it's over? Like, what else we got this week? Yeah, I am not the biggest fan of these. These are called the monatomic outfits. Right. And like what you said, they're, like, a rave-inspired outfits with, like, LED light strips all around the characters, giving the outfits some pop. Um, Me, personally, I think they just are... They stick out way too much, and they make the characters look silly, in my opinion, but um some people might like this so that's cool for them but yeah like what you said thor um is in the shop thor's uh monatomic skin as well as hulk black widow who i think has the worst it's her with like a very short pink haircut um along with all the like led strips i mentioned so it's very strange um and then cap who i think is your favorite of these christian is that right yeah i like cap's 
a, a decent amount. Thor's is pretty all right, I think. But out of the ones in the shop right now, I think the one I like the most is Hawkeye because it, it fits his vibe. You know, it's pretty straightforward, pretty clean. It's like the neon purple on the black suit. I, I like it. It's 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 okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one I um forgot to mention. Yeah, Hawkeye. Uh, I I agree with you because it, it I feel like it works with his skin, um, or with his outfit at least, because he just has the the purple purple and pink accents with the black suit. So I think that works. Um, I think if <laughs> Cap Shield had the same tr- treatment as the skin does for his uh costume, it would look a little bit better. But to have the red, white, and blue shield um just against his outfit looks quite strange um so i i found that strange yeah and that actually reminds me uh this happened over the course of the last week since last episode but uh a lot of skins leaked for future stuff including some mcu skins what do you think of these do you remember them all um i know the hulk one did that we talked about uh what were some other ones because i kind of got lost in it i know there was a bunch yeah, so there was a bunch in addition to the MCU stuff, but for MCU skins specifically, we have Captain America from Endgame, like with the scales on the suit, uh, Hulk from Endgame, Black Widow from Endgame, which it's you know it looks like Black Widow from Endgame. It's it looks like a Black Widow skin. Uh, we also have the Hawkeye Ronin skin. Now, what's interesting is Miller and I trust Miller at this point. Uh, Miller said that. These skins are subject to change slightly. They were found in an update, uh, not final. So things like haircuts or facial features or very small, minimal details to get them a little more screen accurate could come along. Uh, Nothing drastic like face changes, but if you wanted Black Widow to have a braid with the suit, we could potentially see a Black Widow with a braid. Um, But yeah, they're they're looking pretty good. I, I like them a lot. I think... It's exciting. Uh, they look pretty good to me. I really want to see Thor now. Like, Thor from Endgame, uh, Iron Man from Endgame are most likely what we're getting. We're getting the Endgame suits, I'm, I'm sure. So what do you think? Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know if they're the ones I think about when I think of those characters, necessarily. Um, it does seem like, I don't know if these will be featured up front, but the fact that we know about them is interesting because it seems like Crystal Dynamics wants to place emphasis on more recent MCU skins that are more top of mind, um, which is what I was mentioning last week with uh, the Hulk Endgame skin. So maybe this is a way of the game being like, hey, here's the Endgame bundle, and you have all the characters who had skins in that uh, movie, or who had outfits in that movie, have skins in this game that are like that so it's interesting um i like ronin's outfit maybe the best uh caps endgame outfit to me sort of reminds me of the first avengers outfit in a way um it's hard for me to even picture it though because like he's just like completely covered in blood so uh it's a little bit more muted yeah but um yeah it's interesting now i I like you suggesting the idea of an end game bundle because i'm with you that i think some of the skins for or some of the looks from end game aren't super iconic like fat thor i'm sure we're getting mark 85 iron man i'm sure we're getting so it would make sense to bundle those together i think and down the line i would love to see them do like the mark 42 suit like from iron man 3 or again ragnarok thor but i don't know if you saw this we're also getting another line of suits uh it's a western themed one <laughs> Yeah, it looks pretty great. Like, uh, it, there was a Hulk one, Hulk with, like, spurs on his boots and a cowboy hat. There's a Hawkeye one wearing a, a shirt like you would, you'd see in Red Dead 2 in a shop. Yeah, that's that's the silliness I think you and I kind of wanted. Um, that's cool. I think I'd probably prefer that over the uh, monatomic skin set. So that's cool that they can just sort of drop these silly stuff. Yeah, and I hope to see more of them. We did talk about these last week, so potentially that's the next skin set. Maybe it's one that comes this summer, but uh, it's in the game now, hidden beneath it all, so looking forward to seeing more. Sure, yeah. But why don't we go over the updates, because we know Crystal Dynamics is shifting with the War Table blog to give a bit more of a focus on everything. First up, one of the notable things of 3 
listed this week is that Crystal is close to giving updates on what post-level 50 progression will be. Because as you know, in the game currently, your your level 50, 150 heroes, you're still getting XP. Uh, you're still growing levels technically behind the scenes because uh, we know that you can trigger the 250 levels trophy by just playing a couple characters, right? And level 50 progression give you a reason to play the game, right? Beyond that, uh, I, I've seen other games do systems like this to incentivize players to keep playing. So seasonal content comes to mind, like seasonal artifacts. Destiny does this, Diablo does this. And... I think that would make sense, you know, and knowing that Crystal is trying to shift the future of the game, the moment-to-moment stuff for returning players, but I don't know how you feel about it. Like, do you think that seasonal progression is a thing that could help with the game, or do you think something more along the lines of level caps? Um, I don't know. This is probably more in your wheelhouse because I think Destiny has a similar model, but yeah. like what you mentioned, the game tracks... Um, your characters who are beyond level 50 because you do like in the back end of the game you do rank up technically speaking and if you wanted to get the trophy for achieving 250 hero levels i think you can technically do that with one character if you really wanted to um because the game records you leveling up so um i I don't know what that would necessarily mean going forward like maybe you get some uh some buffs like you do with comic books in a way like per every amount of levels uh i'm not sure what what do you think about this one yeah so like i was saying before and and you're right destiny does have a system like this i what comes to mind is seasonal content because we'll get to this later but with the tachyon anomalies like i think you need a reason for returning players to return to the game and actually enjoy their time there so what something like a destiny does and i'm pretty sure diablo does this as well like they'll give you an item at the beginning of a season that is just tied to that season, that story, whatever's going on. And as you play the game, you're leveling up the artifact to get a bonus of things like that. Um, Along the same lines, you'll have seasonal weapon skins, ornaments, cosmetics, things of that nature that I think would benefit the game having that in there because it, it makes sense for going for seasons. I think the game has like talked about character seasons at least so like i don't know i I think seasonal content makes sense for post level 50 progression i can't imagine it's just level cap stuff because it seems like they talk about that separately but yeah yeah they have a the content seasons at least right now um but i don't to me like what you're saying sounds more similar to like an apex legends season um which they're about to approach uh the untitled season nine well, titled Legacy, but without Season 9 in front of it. Um, and it's more like each season has a new battle pass, um, new ways of uh, unlocking content and stuff like that. And for right now, at least with Marvel's Avengers, Season 1 is more focused on content rather than, it, rather than you know, gaining XP to acquire X, Y, and Z, which is seemingly what you're getting at and what this uh, could potentially mean for the game. Uh, which is exciting. Yeah. So next up on the War Table list for updates, we're also close to getting information and updates on allowing you to choose the number of companions you bring with you into missions. So what this would mean is essentially they're working on a way to scale it so that you as a player can bring as many heroes in as support as you want to rather than just having a default three in addition to you playing solo. And lastly, they're making sure that Omega-level threat bosses cannot be one-hit by high-power heroes. So once again, another obstacle in the way. It's funny that maybe the game's been pushing Omega-level threats for so long that they know our high-power heroes would just tank through most of the fights, which uh, maybe that's prolonging the release of them even further, but uh, I just think that's a little funny. Yeah, I mean, I think that's obviously a good thing. Uh, I don't think i've ever had one of those moments with my iron man for example where i roll up to a villain sector and i beat abomination in like two hits um those villains tend to be fairly strong even with level 150 characters so it honestly kind of reminded me of that where 
yeah, lower level enemies, um, you can get through pretty easily with some super powerful characters, but the villains and the bosses and now the Omega level threats will always be difficult. So yeah, that's a, it's a good thing. And it's, it's the much needed challenge, um, that this game sorely needs, uh, specifically with multiplayer so it's kind of what i expected it but i'm i'm glad they're reiterating that so what i think is arguably the biggest piece of news was surprisingly not posted in the blog but it was connected to us via twitter now a former marvel heroes developer is joining crystal dynamics to work on marvel's avengers now brian wagner who was in charge of i believe patrol zones in the highly underrated, very wonderful little gem of a game called Marvel Heroes Omega, is joining as a systems designer. Now, what this means uh, could be pretty great for the game, I think. I really love Marvel's Heroes, and seeing Crystal, we know they want to change things up, like Gear 2.0 and all that. Hiring somebody who's going to be working on the game on a systems level, who has a history with the Marvel and a history with loot-based games, I think is incredibly exciting to me and some of the best news i think (laughs) i've heard about marvel's avengers in a minute yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta explain this one for me because i am not familiar with the person or the game that is involved in this story okay so brian wagner like i said i think worked on marvel heroes omega as a patrol (laughs) designer but Basically, Marvel Heroes Omega is Marvel Diablo in every sort of sense of it. Now, I haven't played a ton of Diablo, but um, I'm familiar with it. Marvel Heroes Omega takes that Diablo format and has, like, maybe close to 30 different Marvel characters you can play as. Uh, They don't all have their own unique, expansive toolkits to play as, like maybe a game like this does. But essentially, what was great about Marvel Heroes Omega, it was a free-to-play looter game where most of the transactions were done cosmetically you could buy loot boxes to roll character skins and stuff like that um which is whatever but i wasn't bothered by it and what's great about it was it was just so satisfying because it was full of so many characters so many villains so much variety in its set dressing maybe not in its combat um but what i do really enjoy and what makes me hopeful is that it's a gear-based game. Like Marvel Heroes Omega, you were going for gear. You were doing dungeons, solo, multiplayer, fighting bosses, villain layers. I don't know if there was a raid in there, but it's what this game, I think, could be and would be incredible if it could mimic that on a AAA scale. So getting Brian Wagner into this game on this team on a systems level, like I mentioned is really exciting so maybe we should paint expectations in a way that you and i considered maybe the black panther war for wakanda expansion would end up being like this game's destiny taken king moment or final fantasy 14 a realm reborn i don't imagine we get what the fruit of what brian walkner would be bearing for the game by the time black panther drops Maybe this is a little bit further out, but I am incredibly hopeful that the fruit that will be bore is very, very tasty for this game. So essentially, this is great future news. Um, I have more hope for the game now than I have in a long time. And I think Marvel Heroes, for those who haven't played it, trust me, it's it was a, it was a wonderful time. So if that game can live on through Marvel's Avengers... That will make me incredibly happy. Yeah, that's interesting. Like what you said, um, his position as a system designer, to me, speaks to the idea that Marvel's Avengers has been talking, and Square Enix has been talking about reworking a lot of things, uh, whether it's XP or gear, that kind of stuff. The uh, behind, like what that means behind the scenes uh, for things in the back end of the game itself. Um, it seems like Brian Wagner joining Crystal specifically for Marvel's Avengers seems like that is what his role will entail, um, sort of changing up the game in a way. Um, there's really not too much else I can say about that, but yeah, that's, 
um, it's interesting because it, it does seem more like the position is focused on not content, but how the game itself works. And the fact that the game and the developers have been open about wanting to change some things um, definitely makes sense with this new edition. So that's interesting. For sure. Now, there's one last thing I want to do a little check-in on you with for Marvel's Avengers this week. Sure. Because uh, there's not much else to talk about for the game. But Tachyon Anomalies, you know, last week you and I, we gave our impressions on it. We were a little mixed, to say the least. Um, It's nice that they're incentivizing people to come back to the game. But I think it's not enough of a reason to come back. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. It's pretty basic. So have you played any more Tachyon Anomalies since last recording? Because I sure have not. No, I didn't. Um, yeah, disappointed even even with the very low expectations in mind. I was a bit surprised that, wow, they didn't even meet my expectations of what I expected. Yeah, I, I think it's something that maybe in the future we should have different expectations on or you know we'll just see how the red room thing goes but anyway meanwhile while this has been going on we also have some marvel studio stuff little updates uh chloe Zhao, who is going to be directing eternals recently just won best director at the oscars this skyrocketed my expectations for the movie uh because i think historically whenever this movie came up i was like i have no interest in this movie whatsoever i don't know the backstory Mm -hmm. of the characters not even the casting got me excited which is it's a pretty uh beefy casting um Mm -hmm. but the fact that she won best director i'm like oh man (laughs) she's a brilliant filmmaker and now she's going to be working on a mcu project that just so happens to be eternals um she won for was it nomadland I'm not sure. I didn't watch the Oscars this year. I didn't either. And, Whatever it was, and, yeah. I, I want to see what she had erected, um, just so mm-hmm. I have more expectations on what to expect um, for Eternals. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm with you. I wanted to bring it up because, like you, I I heard she was a good director when she was like brought onto the project, but everything I heard about Eternals, yeah, it's a staff cast. It's a, uh, this like weird sci-fi 70s epic and none of it was moving the needle for me at all. This this does, you know, so it's probably not going to be a bad movie. That's at least something to go into that with. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what's up with Eternals later this year. So, Dude, I, I like to think I pay somewhat attention to the movie industry, um, and I don't know if I could tell you a or I don't know if I could tell you anything about any of the Academy Award-nominated films this year. Because I was like, I didn't go to the movies. I didn't <laughs> I didn't pay attention. Um, Minari is the one movie I really want I want to see. It just hasn't been available cheaply yet. It's like $30 to mm-hmm. stream or like $20. Um, so I'm sort of still waiting on that one. But yeah, man, I uh, <laughs> did not pay attention to the film industry too much this year, to be honest. Yeah, and all I all I saw like I didn't see this, but I do. I'm aware of Nomadland because uh, I got a TikTok that was like, "Hey, you see all these people that live in their vans and they make it trendy?" There's a a movie that came out last year about that, and I was like, "Okay, yeah. fair enough." But there is a bit more to talk about in the Marvel games realm. Uh, a while back, I remember this was probably two years ago at this point. Uh, ben Hansen at Game Informer, did an interview with Ed Boon over at NetherRealm. And in that interview, um, NetherRealm, of course, does Mortal Kombat and uh, Injustice. They are a studio, I believe, owned by Warner Brothers. But Ben Hansen asks, like, hey, have you ever had meetings with Marvel about a Marvel fighting game? Anything like that? Would you want to do that? And Ed Boon was basically saying, like, oh, yeah, we've had, we've had meetings in Marvel, like, for sure. And then he kind of clammed up about it. And people 
had that circulating at the time of like, oh, imagine what it would be like if we had a Marvel fighting game from the people who do Injustice. That kind of faded away, but recently there's that clip was popping back up again because apparently there's rumors that they're actually doing it. They are working on a Marvel fighting game. What would you think of that, Jack? Do you have a history with Mortal Kombat or Injustice? That's super exciting. Uh, me personally, I played through the first Injustice's campaign and quickly realized I do not like fighting games. Uh, mm-hmm. I was very much interested in the the story, at least. Um, it's kind of like the the way they, you know, slight spoilers for like 10 seconds if you want to jump out and jump back in 10 seconds later. Um, they, they treat Superman the same way that uh, Batman versus Superman and um, probably more accurately uh, Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League does, um, which was super interesting to me. Uh, but yeah, the mechanics for me personally, I was like, I don't understand this. I, I don't think I ever will. Um, but I understand that NetherRealm is this, you know, huge uh, fighting game developer with a very storied past and uh, lineup of games. So uh, that would be really cool. I think this would be a great get for the Marvel brand and um, reminds me of Marvel versus Capcom. Um, sure. Which is, which is cool. And I don't think we've seen... I think the last game we saw was a few years ago. So it's it's definitely um it definitely do. Marvel's definitely due for a fighting game. And uh who better than Netherrealm, honestly. Yeah, and honestly, I can add to that. I've played Injustice and Injustice 2's uh story campaigns. I play Mortal Kombat 9's story oh. campaign. I lo- like lowercase L like fighting games. Um honestly the ones that i enjoy the most are the the nether realm ones because they're the most accessible and i think combos are the easiest in those games compared to like a street fighter or um dragon ball fighters which i also like but nowhere near competitive i just play them for the stories and for fun and i think what's great about the nether realm fighting games is that their stories are so good like Injustice 2 might might be like one of the best Justice League stories that I've seen my whole life. It's it's so good. It's really just incredibly written. It understands the characters and worlds so well. It feels very fresh. It is a new take sort of on that universe. So just the idea of NetherRealm being able to use the Marvel characters and make a fighting game with them, absolutely sign me up for that. That would be so incredible. So, I I wonder also if there's maybe a specific storyline they would adapt or if they would be making an original one. Like, the Injustice storyline is original and actually spawned a comic book series out of it oh, that's yeah, that's set right. in that game universe. That's so. interesting, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you nailed it. NetherRealm really is good at adding stories to fighting games, which, as far as I'm aware, traditionally, fighting games don't have the best stories or no stories at all. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I was very impressed with uh, with Injustice in terms of its story. Uh, not so much in terms of the gameplay, mostly because I was bad <laughs> at it. Not not any mm. fault of the game itself. Um, but yeah, this I think this would be really cool. It definitely fills the niche that I think right now for Marvel fighting fans hasn't been filled in quite some time, um, as far as I'm yeah. aware. And yeah, I I think this would be a great get for the brand. Yeah, and. I'd never played it, but I know Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, which was the last one on the PS4, uh, was kind of a garbage fire. Mm. So, like, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Capcom has been killing it. I think that was the only thing in the second half of the PS4 generation. That was the only Capcom game that shipped that was not at least really good. Um, But because of that and, you know, how Marvel works, I wouldn't be surprised if... For their next Marvel fighting game, they decided to look elsewhere. And NetherRealm, especially on a story side, and I think when you do Marvel, you want story. NetherRealm is top dog. Best in the biz. So Totally. It's, it's a good fit. I think it's a really good fit. Definitely. Um, and interesting, they have a history with DC and they're moving to Marvel, right? Apparently there was some study that now Marvel's more popular than DC. Yeah, that surprise. Yeah, that does not surprise me in in the slightest. 
uh, like what we've said before, like the MCU is essentially Marvel Prime at this point. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it just the most eyes are on the MCU in terms of Marvel as a, a brand as a whole, um, and it, DC just doesn't have the same thing with its own movie universe, unfortunately. Um, I think a lot of the attention towards DC in general in its history have been directed towards Batman and Superman. Um, and then after that, there's like a steep drop off, I think with the other characters of, uh, the justice league and then ancillary characters in teen Titans, etc. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the MCU has clearly skyrocketed Marvel to a place that it, it, it wasn't before. Um, and yeah, this isn't super surprising, but it's, uh, it's interesting to see. Yeah, there were a couple, I forget what study it was, um, I read a recap on, I think it might have been like Game Rant, maybe, uh, but there were a couple interesting tidbits that Spider-Man is the most Googled superhero in the world at this point, mm. uh, followed closely by Wonder Woman. That's interesting. Which kind of surprised me. Yeah. So... You'd imagine, based on at least conversations that people have, that like Superman or Batman would be DC's most, you know, globally recognizable. And I, maybe there is a difference between most Googled and most recognizable or something like that. But on a global interest, Spider-Man, then Wonder Woman, that was slightly surprising because the top two, I feel like, have always been Batman, Superman, then like Hulk or Spider-Man or someone. Yeah, absolutely. That um, It's really good to see. But yeah, that's so mm-hmm. surprising. I would have... Yeah. I would have been with you. Bat- Batman and Spider-Man it tend to be the, the ones in, in conversation. For sure. And the most Googled villain in comic books, besting the Joker, Jack, was Thanos. That's wild. Um, that you put it in perspective um, <laughs> of Thanos being more searched than the Joker is really interesting. Um, I guess it makes sense, though, because we really haven't Aside from the Joaquin Phoenix film, we really haven't had um, a lot of Joker content recently, <laughs> except for, uh, what's his name, in the Justice Jared League. Lowe. Yeah, Jared Leto's the jo- Joker, which was um, noticeably be- better than his other performance as the Joker, but still uh, questionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we haven't had like the, the big um, accessible, any big accessible Joker content recently, but Thanos has been... Uh, the titan as he is in the comics and the movie so pretty cool yeah and i feel like a lot of that has to do with the memes right because like thanos has been memed to death since 2018 when infinity war came out you know yeah so the well the joker is in fortnite but um (laughs) i was gonna say you don't see him in fortnite thanos at least got his own event you know um Something I want to bring up that I've seen circulating around uh, recently, I know, like, a lot of, there's been, like, a lot of, hey, Captain America Winter Soldier released X amount of years ago and stuff like that. Um, there's been some people sharing uh, these newspaper clippings of people talking about Marvel outlining the its, like, slew of superhero projects before Iron Man. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it was basically how John Favreau is like coming in to direct Iron Man. And I thought that was super interesting because obviously we're looking b- back at it now after this, these, this huge blockbuster franchise. And, uh, it was more of like a quaint piece of being like, oh yeah, there's going to be some superhero stuff coming pretty soon. I just thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this week was the anniversaries of Endgame and Infinity War releasing. Mm-hmm. So lots of memories as well seeing popped up. Um, I, You know, my Snapchat memories of the day that I saw both Infinity War and Endgame were popping up. Hell yeah. And hearing you say that about the anniversary also made me realize that this... I, Jack, I vividly remember seeing Captain America the First Avengers in theaters. Like, I can visualize it. I, it, it's that much of a memory that is 10 years old this year i know isn't that wild yeah that's so strange oh i now that i'm thinking about it hmm i think the only movie from phase one i saw in theaters 
was Avengers. Like, I unless I'm mistaken, but I'm pretty sure I saw most of them, like, online, because it was a lot easier to just be like, I want to watch this online for free, and they'd be like, okay, here you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I did that before Avengers. Um, but yeah, I think that was the only movie from Phase 1 I saw in theaters. Yeah, the first one I saw in theaters was Iron Man 2. Um because I wasn't allowed to see Iron Man 1 when it came out because I was really? what like 9, 10, something yeah. like that. So, 4th, 5th grade. Still ha- yeah, did, still Did you the, see uh, uh, The Dark Knight in theaters? No. Ah. Unfortunately not. But yeah, I think even out of the batch though, I think the only ones in phase 1 I saw in theaters were Iron Man 2 and Cap. I don't think I saw Thor in theaters. Um I did see Avengers in theaters. That was an opening night I went to go see. But right. yeah, what such a strange time that it's almost 10 years since those. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's completely wild. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. It's cool to look back at these things. And uh, there's just a lot of memories associated with them, um, like us seeing mm-hmm. Endgame um, together with Pat after our Excelsior run. Um, yeah, just lots of lots of memories associated with these movies. So it's cool to look back. Hell yeah, and uh, looking forward to more of them, because when I was making the doc for the show, I think there was a screener at Headline from a few days ago that was like, the 14 Marvel movies coming after Falcon the Winter Soldier, I was like, Christ, yeah. I never saw the number. <laughs> like, oh yeah, and then there were, so. there were comments recently from, um, who was it? Who's the writer of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Oh, uh, name escapes me. Yeah, yes. it, yeah. I can, I can picture his face. Um, Mm-hmm. it's yeah whatever the whoever the writer is oh uh malcolm spellman excuse me malcolm spellman uh was like yeah i'm surprised that uh marvel hasn't announced any of the other films that has plans because it's he's been saying a lot of things that i don't think he's been <laughs> supposed to say but <laughs> he was like yeah i'm surprised marvel hasn't announced its other like slew of movies because there's so many that they haven't announced yet and everyone it's just that's not surprising, but it's just funny to hear someone say like, yeah, there's like so many projects that we haven't heard of and it's going to, it's going to be a lot. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, we got a lot to look forward to. Um, maybe we get to a point where it's like, Oh, MCU overload, but, uh, haven't gotten there yet. I, you know, so. I think that, I mean, people have been saying like, Oh, the MCU bubble is going to burst. They've been saying that for like 10 years, honestly, like since Avengers one, it's like, you're, you're yeah. going to get it sick of this at some point. Um, I think if it was going to happen, it would have happened at this point. I think the biggest test of it, though, is probably going to be this fall because we have, like, we have Hawkeye, Ms. Marvel, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Spider-Man in the span of, like, four months. That's a lot, yeah. So, Um, yeah. I do think balancing a lot of these projects as TV show helps, TV shows help, um, because it's, like, a week-by-week thing, and you're sort of getting it in chunks, and then you have some breathing room at some points, like a week or two, and then you move on to the next project. And honestly, I think you and I agree on this, and a lot of people do. I I like having the weekly repetition of waking up every Friday and watching the new thing. And I don't mind. It's I honestly prefer like having something to look forward to rather than we have from now until June 11th uh to get loki that feels so long and we had a whole we had a whole year of no uh, mcu stuff and the fact that we have been treated to with mandalorian and now with wandavision and falcon and the winter soldier the sort of weekly format uh being extended for nine plus weeks depending um mm-hmm. it's or eight plus weeks maybe uh it, it it feels that much more empty without having that so yeah, agreed. And this was a conversation I had with Mike on Jedi Knights this week about, you know, the weekly TV schedule. Because I, I am with you, and Mike was repeating the same sentiment of, like, really enjoy this. It's very ritualistic. It reminds me, at least, of back in high school with, like, Ads Prime, Walking Dead, or Breaking Bad, you know, every okay. week. And we were talking a lot about how we would like to see maybe something like the Kenobi show be treated as, like, worldwide premiere at, like, Sunday evening. So, like, you can't get it spoiled. It's everybody's viewing at the same time. You can live tweet it without worrying about spoiling people. And 
I personally think that's something that we see Disney Plus experiment. I'd like to see them do that at some point. And I think a Kenobi show would warrant that. On the Marvel side, though, I think that's something they should maybe try that with. Uh, we all loved the mystery of WandaVision. I think there's going to be even a larger mystery and room for twists and spoilers for Secret Invasion. Mm. So, like, getting that week-to-week thing, I would love to see them be like, hey, yeah, it's prime time. You got to wait. It's going to be like the whole world stops for this. You know, you get Samuel L. Jackson, you get all these reveals going. I'd love to see them experiment with that because the week-to-week format I think works. Some people don't like it, but there'd be more of a community aspect behind it that way. You know, maybe not for everything. Like Loki, I don't think needs that, but maybe. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was listening to that episode of Jedi Knights recently, and you guys made some good points. Um, I do miss that. For me, it was Game of Thrones every Sunday and watching that having my brain exploded most of the time and then mm-hmm. going into school on monday and talking to my friends about that um was great and i i do miss that i know it is in some ways very similar and in a lot of ways very different to what we have now um <laughs> i haven't seen the newest invincible episode which i think like goes live every thursday instead of fridays um mm-hmm. and like spoilers abound on twitter already and uh it's just it's it's kind of sad that we don't have that moment where everyone can just sit down like what you were mentioning at the same exact time and take like 30 minutes to an hour out of their day to sort of focus on this um and something to look forward to rather than being like oh maybe i could watch it in the morning and maybe if you're busy it's like i have to wait till night to watch it it would be cool to have a, a a meshing of the old school of hey this is going to premiere at x date and if you can't watch it you can still obviously watch it on disney plus at your own leisure um yeah so yeah that'd be cool definitely uh one last thing i want to throw out there uh there was a new look mcu wise for hawkeye jeremy renner's hawkeye uh the, the show wrapped shooting recently and there's an image of his new suit and surprise it looks like a suit from marvel's avengers <laughs> So. Yeah, it it looks uh, very similar to the, um, unless I'm mistaken, it looks pretty similar to the Matt Fraction Hawkeye run at least mm-hmm. with the um, uh, the arrows or like the arrow bit in front of his or on his chest at least. Um, and mm-hmm. I know the logo for that show is very much influenced from the Matt Fraction run, so I'm I'm really glad to see that they're doubling down on that and really using that series as a motivator and driving factor behind the show um because i've read a decent amount of it and it was really enjoyable and it's some of the best hawkeye stuff i've ever read um in fact it's some of the only but uh it it was really good it was it's (laughs) some good hawkeye content and uh i'm glad that that is the basis for this show that has me hopeful yeah because i i forget if we're on the same page as this i know i know a lot of the internet is this way as well but like i don't really love mcu hawkeye he's like kind of whatever for me um and especially in comparison to the Matt Fraction comic book Hawkeye, like, pales in comparison. But seeing all the iconography being used makes me hopeful that they will take notes and translate that version of the character to MCU Hawkeye. Um, and, you know, the suit, finally, like, you you detailed it, it looks like a Hawkeye suit that's not just a vest or, like, a tactical suit, you know? Yeah. Um, so. I totally agree with you about the mcu hawkeye's portrayals sort of just being kind of boring i really didn't care about him too much until endgame um and even still i didn't really you know fully dive into his character and fell in love with with his character too much so i'm sort of hoping this show does for hawkeye what endgame did for black widow at least for me personally because i didn't really care about black widow all too much until Endgame, and I think she really had her time to shine in that movie. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping the show does that for for Hawkeye. Well, we will have to wait and see. But uh, this week, we did get a little bit more MCU content. It wasn't narrative; it was uh, nonfiction. Actually, it was a documentary about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, now Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Uh, we didn't really talk about this. I don't think, but it's funny that 
we now have Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the film, and Captain America and the Winter Soldier, the show. <laughs> yeah. Not not good so. for SEO. <laughs> no, it really isn't. Um, and I guess, like, a week removed now that we've had the discourse of the finale of the show, just very quickly, has anything changed for you? Like, any anything, you know, felt more of a... A downside. I know we were both kind of lukewarm with the finale, and a lot of the Marvel fandom seemed to be as well. Uh, but anything, anything stick out to you that we talked about last week that just feels amplified now? Um, I think overall, it's a really great show that has a very weak ending. Um, mm-hmm. And other than that, I don't think too many things have changed. Um, I think the flag smashers really didn't do it for me in the end. Uh, I liked their introductions at first, and I, it, they seemed pretty nuanced, and they were, but uh, I don't think the conclusion really did anything for me. Uh, I kind of feel now that they might have misused Zemo a little bit, and they might have just thrown him in there uh, to have a little bit of fun and then brought him out of the show. Uh, to mm-hmm. me, it seems more like they brought in his character to say, hey, we still have this character in our back pocket and expect to see him in the future. Um but other than that, I really like the show. I really did not like the ending in a lot of ways. Um, but I think it it certainly uh, was a great portrayal of both uh, Bucky and Sam Wilson. And yeah, what about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, you know, we talked a lot about uh, Bucky's character sort of feeling rushed last week. And I did see some people echo our disappointment where like so why wasn't it captain america and the white wolf at the end like bucky kind of ended off the winter soldier stuff that was like symbolic by his final scene and then there was that conversation of like okay well maybe season two is about bucky becoming the white wolf like officially and now there is discussion that captain america 4 the film is coming and it's maybe what we thought the season two story would have been with like the thunderbolts or the dark avengers or like sam as cap and bucky as finding himself i don't know but in an ideal world i would love to see a second season where we do get to flesh out bucky more and we still get a captain america 4 with the two of them running missions you know but um the cap 4 thing is a rumor like (laughs) I, I'm sure you saw the the quote about Anthony Mackie finding out about it. Yeah, it, from like a fan came up to him in a grocery store or something like that. Yeah, so, and obviously, like, even if he knew, he couldn't say anything. But sure, yeah, just funny, you know. Totally. So, as far as the assembled doc is concerned, though, uh, overall, did you enjoy this one any more than the Wandavision assembled? Um, I would say I enjoyed it just about the same. I think these are largely, um, not to be, like, too negative about them, uh, because I'm, I don't feel too negative about them. They're, they're pretty much what I expected, but they are sort yeah. of, um, paint by the number, uh, community, or, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, built by committee documentaries, uh, that are meant to, to showcase the, everything that's great about these productions because they're made by uh, Disney themselves and Marvel themselves. Uh, they're not these like independent looks as into like if the New York times did a documentary on uh, Falcon and the winter soldier, it would probably be very focused on COVID-19. Whereas mm-hmm. in this documentary is more focused on um, they talked about COVID-19, but it was more focused on um, character interactions and, what the characters meant to actors and producers and executives and writers and stuff like that. Um, but still, I think it was a good look into uh, the show and making of the show, and uh, I enjoyed it. I particularly really liked all the CG elements and them talking about um, how they incorporated CGI into the show, and I was very surprised in a lot of instances on how they managed to do that. Um, so on the for me, it was more about what was the production like and what was the post-production like and uh yeah it was it was interesting what about you yeah i i'm right there with you because i think wandavision in a similar boat was like my main thing as someone who's just interested in the production 
was seeing how they like built the sets, how they did the live audience thing, what they did for black and white, all that stuff I thought was really interesting. But I, I wouldn't say that that was like the, the juicy, true story documentary sort of thing of like dealing with all these problems and the, the new shooting format for COVID restrictions, like you mentioned. And I, I think it's pretty much the same thing here where it seemed like they were addressing COVID a bit more directly than the WandaVision documentary was because I don't even think they mentioned it at all. Like there might have been a couple people wearing a mask or something. Um, but here pretty in the first like t- 10, 15 minutes, though, there's an interview with Anthony Mackie talking about making the show in 2020, the state of America, um, alluding to the Black Lives Matter protests last summer and that were caused by, you know, the death of George Floyd. And also he name drops COVID. He's talking about what it's like struggling as a black man in the year 2020 with all those things going on. And they really that's kind of the end of it. Like he mentions it. Um, but very clearly, I think here more than WandaVision, you see way more of the cast and crew masked up. Um, Sebastian Stan in his interview had like a, a neck scarf on. So like he probably just had to pull that down for his interview and was able to just have that on his person at all times when he wasn't shooting. So on that level, it's not like they weren't hiding anything but they weren't really addressing anything, which, you know, that's not what they were going for, so fine. But on the technical side, I'm with you. Like, the CG stuff was super cool. Largest takeaway, this was in the first 30 seconds. The shield is rubber? I did, you, did you see that? I didn't catch that. Um, do you want to elaborate more on that? Because I, I honestly m- missed that. I didn't realize it was so soon in the, um, in the, the documentary. Yeah, like when they're talking about like their introduction to the assemble doc, right? They show maybe like six seconds of John Walker in the warehouse fight, right? Just like rehearsing something. And he has the shield and he like does the the shield onto the ground thing mm-hmm. that everybody with the shield does. And when it makes impact on the ground, the the bottom like four or five inches of the shield just like buckle in on itself. Like it's a it's made of rubber, like a floppy little frisbee. Interesting. I imagine they have a bunch of different shields that they use. Like yeah. in, I'm a big, um, or I used to be at least a big like fan of World War II movies and TV shows. Uh, and I loved like the behind the scenes of that. Like Band of Brothers, for instance, they would have like actual weapons from World War II, and they would also have like the rubber versions. So, like, if they had a scene of where someone um, hit a German soldier with the butt of a rifle, they would use the rubber version of that weapon. Um, and I think maybe, I'm sure Marvel has different props of, like, knives. Like, for uh, uh, the Winter Soldier, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, I'm sure Bucky was throwing around a bunch of rubber knives. Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting, but, yeah, they... They make that shield look very convincing if sometimes it's rubber because I did not, I never noticed that. Yeah, it would absolutely make sense um, to have like multiples, you know, for different. Um, like I know, I think in Harry Potter, they had like rubber wands for action scenes and right. then they had like the master prop that was like the really detailed one for close ups and more dramatic things. So, mm-hmm. and I think Star Wars does that too with lightsabers. So wasn't it's not surprising that they do that but you know just caught, threw me for a loop you know expecting that steel to clash with the ground and then it just buckles i was like uh <laughs> what um but were there any other major things that stood out to you of like cool little facts or insight um i liked hearing about wyatt russell's casting and sort of his look on the character um of john walker same thing with um julia louis dreyfus talking a little bit about her character as well but um any any actor specific quotes that stood out to you the most um i don't know if any actor specific quotes um stood out to me i did really i did really appreciate seeing uh julia louis dreyfus and her just being like yeah honestly they had me on the name alone um reading off her character's super long name she's like yeah that that got me and to see 
a woman in a position of power she was like it's about time in the mcu or something like that essentially so that was cool to see yeah um but i think the in terms of like new pieces of information that at least i didn't know um filming in atlanta makes sense because a lot of a lot of film projects outside of the mcu even are filmed in georgia um i don't know if that's a, a budgetary thing i don't know if it's super cheap to film there but that tends to be the location so that made sense Mm -hmm. um but one of the producers was like yeah we were fully intending on filming in puerto rico for a lot of the production and there was an earthquake in puerto rico and then after the first earthquake they were still planning on going there they thought it'd be safe and then right before they were going to there was the second earthquake so they just quickly moved to prague which they were originally planning to anyways and then while they were in prague is when um COVID-19 like fully hit globally and there were all the uh, shutdowns and people having to return and that's when the production closed and like what you said it wasn't the main the main focus uh or even that major of a focus of the documentary but there was a good like five minutes of them talking about Puerto Rico and uh how COVID-19 affected the production I would have preferred a little bit more information about that but Mm -hmm. That was super interesting. I had no clue that Puerto Rico was an intended shooting location for the show. Yeah, definitely. And I think that was something that stood out to us and in our discussions uh, over the past few weeks with the show. It was like just the globetrotting nature of it. And yeah, hearing that Puerto Rico would have been a pretty major key factor here. I wonder if that shift like what that shift resulted in like i wonder if that was part of their pandemic side plot or like if they retooled the stuff that would have been going on in puerto rico like how essential was it to the actual story they were telling so definitely i i think you honestly you could have made an entire documentary on just those five minutes right like and that i think is what coming out of a pandemic for Marvel Studios, which is just a well-oiled machine at this point, disrupting that, reevaluating what it is and what it's like to do a production for this studio. Would really love to see, maybe just like a couple years from now, a third-party documentary that can talk about it, right? Like, would love that, even if it's self-produced, just like there's enough time of a separation that things are maybe back to normal and they're okay talking about it, but... For sure. I, I'm curious to see how future productions are impacted by this. I don't know. I don't know if Loki stopped production, so I don't think they'd probably even reference that at all. But um, like we've reiterated before, I'll say it again. I really hope we get assembled docs for the movies because, man, I need to hear about Black Widow. <laughs> oh, yeah. You 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 would you would expect to hear um, you would expect to hear all that information in that documentary. Like you, you would need to, and I, I feel, I felt the sense of that the that uh, Marvel Studios was like, all right, we don't really want to talk about it in the documentary, but how could we produce this documentary without talking about COVID nineteen? Um, mm-hmm. And that's the that's the sort of sense I got about it. Where like, all right, it's a thing, it's a it's a uh, note on our checklist, and we have to check it off. We're not going to spend too much time about it uh, because I feel like they more so wanted to focus on the achievements of the show and producing the show. Cause that's what these documentaries are supposed to do uh, rather than talking about the outside influences of uh, what was happening in the world. Um, they do address on a lot of things. And like what you said, uh, all the black lives matter protests, um, Anthony Mackie uh, directly addresses um, and COVID-19, but these are compared to the producers comments and the writers comments and the actors comments about the characters themselves those things were very much um briefly touched upon compared to uh the motivations of the characters uh which i would have preferred a reversal (laughs) and honestly i would have i would have loved malcolm spellman to be like all right this was the original story and this is how it was massively derailed because of an actual pandemic uh but yeah, I don't I don't know if I think it'll be a few years until we actually if we actually get that story. Yeah, and it's a story I'd love to hear, you know, um, much like we talked about 
since we started doing the show, just like the MCU is such an impressive thing. That's not like anything else that any sort of behind the scenes information I'll take, you know, and I'll, I'll hear about what they have to say about it. But I, I would enjoy like a full blown, not expose, but just like Kevin Feige, when you're ready to retire, man, write a book. I'll buy it. I'll read it all. Like just everything that you had to go through. Cause I very curious of how this came to be, you know, totally. Um, but yeah, that is the second assembled doc. Uh, I don't know if there was any other major stuff in there you want to discuss. Like there were some fun moments. It was great seeing Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan playing off each other behind the scenes. Um, but I, it's definitely painted my expectations. I think for all the other ones moving forward, if there is a black widow one, I'm prepared for it to really just be like, you know, Scarlet deserved this for so long and it's great that we got to do it. So. totally they're they're very like navel gazy and being like look at all the we had such a great time and oh this was this stunt was really difficult but i just really pulled through you know it, it that's just that's just sort of the nature of these like self-produced documentaries which is fine mm-hmm. um but a, a couple things that i really was impressed by was um the truck scene and sure how that was how they implemented cgi with that like obviously you're not going to do action on a moving truck um but they were essentially like yeah we uh they they took the like first like four feet of the top of a truck and they used that in a studio in like a a blue screen studio to film the action and then they like took real roads in atlanta georgia and then took cg elements from um or like made cg elements to make it look like the roadside of germany and it just to me i was like wow that's a lot of moving parts um because i would have assumed like oh they filmed something in germany and then they just superimposed that with the truck stuff they had from the studio but it was all like built from the ground up and i didn't even notice the cg like backgrounds with the trees and all that so i was very impressed by that yeah definitely and it's another instance of i think and they straight up say this early on um that kevin feige saying this is not tv don't treat it like tv this is not tv so like yeah we wouldn't see a tv production do something like that you know like um even something as big as a game of thrones or walking dead there's very much like they're locked down pretty much to their one location they shoot stuff there they create cg backdrops and superimpose it after the fact so yeah and um, another thing with CG was the Captain America suit. And I totally had no clue that there was CG involved with that. Um, mm-hmm. Because they mentioned uh, Sam's, like, cowl having some, like, folds in it that they, like, CGI'd mm-hmm. out of it, which I was I had no clue that was a thing. And, yeah, they did it. It looks uh, – I was super impressed by it because it didn't, didn't even look like CG. I wonder, do you think – the reason they took the folds out is after the backlash of the Ahsoka headdress. Yeah, I'm sure it had something to do with that. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was impressive because I didn't notice, you know. I, I saw I'm like obviously when they show when I'm watching the, the the episode at the end and I see the wings, it's like, okay, well yeah, they're using CG here, but just for something like the mask or, you know, any like small details, I was like, Oh, you fooled me. <laughs> like I didn't didn't see that coming but yeah um overall looking forward to what's next out of assembled uh we should be getting legends soon i think as our next sort of interstitial we got a loki legends coming up i'm sure but yeah we are entering our marvel break star wars is getting its chance to come back for a little bit with bad batch but marvel's on pause so in the meantime We'll be here talking about Marvel's Avengers, uh, as well as maybe a few fun little topics between now and Loki, uh, maybe a little MC re-ranking. But uh, Jack, until then, where can the Agents of Excelsior find you? Sure. You can follow me on social media at Fascinated Jack, and you can also follow the Longplay Club about Metal Gear Solid 4 on YouTube.com slash JoyClicks. What about you, Christian? Hell yeah. You can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok at Shun2D2, as well as here at youtube.com slash joyclicks, like Jack said. For this podcast, Longplay Club, Jedi Knights, Gamescast, 
all of those available in their own playlists on the channel for the video version of the podcast. If you would like the audio version, though, for this show, you can check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your service of choice, under Excelsior, a Marvel's Avengers podcast. If you enjoyed the show, though, be sure to give it a good star rating. It takes a quick second. If you want to leave a review, that'd be helpful as well. If you want to get involved further, patreon.com slash joyclicks at the $1 and $5 tiers. $5 tier gets you producer credit on this show and all of our shows, like Chris Akis and Aaron Easton, so thank you very much. And uh, that is it for Marvel. Maybe next week we get some MCU skins, maybe some fun more Avengers stuff, but we'll have to wait and see. So until then, Excelsior. Excelsior.